Today on the Matt Wall Show, Christina Aguilera performs in a family-friendly concert, quote-unquote, with a strap-on dildo. This is just one example of extreme, over-the-top debauchery and degeneracy being totally normalized and institutionalized in our culture. We're going to talk about where all this leads and uh, what we can do about it today. Also, Karen Jean Pear laughs off any concerns about her boss's senility. The White House meets with defund the police advocates as crime ravages communities across the country. A Twitter thread goes viral detailing the horrifying realities of gender-affirming surgeries, quote-unquote. In our daily cancellation, Lizzo is forced to apologize and change and reissue her latest single due to controversy over the language in the song. But you'll never guess which word has people so upset. Seriously, you'll never guess. All of that and more today on The Matt Walsh Show. You know, the left is so aggressively declaring war on reality to the point that asking simple questions blows their mind. Uh, as we discovered, of course, in my film, What is a Woman? But now there's an organization that I love and have been following for years, uh, the pro-life group Live Action, led by my good friend, Lila Rose. And they've just released an incredible new video campaign that also asks a very simple question, what is abortion? Okay, and this, we found this to be a very effective tactic. You know, it's just, just ask basic questions. And this applies to the gender issue and especially applies to the life issue, which is what Live Action is doing here. You can see the videos at whatisabortion.com. And here's the thing. Uh, these videos can turn the tide in the abortion war. The videos are, on one level, very simple, but uh, they're, also, they're also brilliantly crafted. Uh, and this is a lot of what Live Action does. Seems simple on the surface, but there's a lot of depth to it. They feature former abortionists simply explaining in matter-of-fact terms the four most prominent abortion procedures with medical animation. And that's it. This is just, this is what abortion is. When people see the violence committed against children, many of them change their minds. After watching the What is Abortion videos, 19% of pro-choice women selected abortion should never be legal. And and uh, the number of people who said abortion should never be allowed skyrocketed 21% from 25% to 46%. So this is a tactic, a strategy that really works. And it's a strategy that just emphasizes the truth. That's all. Bottom line is that if everyone in America watched these videos, we would have a pro-life country where children are more protected. So go to whatisabortion.com, check out the videos, and more importantly, share them with everyone you know. These tools are in your hands. Use them. Well, after a pride-filled day in Los Angeles on Saturday, complete with naked gay men in bondage gear parading through the streets and acting out their sexual fetishes in front of children while morbidly obese drag queens stood on parade floats and shouted about lube into megaphones, festivities culminated in a grand finale, a musical performance. The L.A. Pride in the Park Music Festival billed itself as an all-ages kid-friendly event, uh, which, in fact, the entire, all the Pride parades and all the Pride events claim to be all-ages and kid-friendly. But we know what these people mean when they say kid-friendly. Essentially, a kid-friendly activity is any activity they feel like engaging in with kids present. They don't judge whether something is kid-friendly before doing it in front of kids. They do it in front of kids and then declare after the fact that it was kid-friendly because they did it in front of kids. And so it perhaps should not be a surprise that former pop star Christina Aguilera took to the stage during this concert to perform a song called XXX alongside a transgender singer named Kim Petras. And for the performance, Aguilera wore a green Hulk suit and a strap-on dildo. She then simulated masturbation as she danced across the stage while drunkenly shouting the lyrics to what just may be the dumbest song ever written. And there's a lot of competition for that title, but listen. Sex, 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 sex,
Yes, the uh, song largely consists of the word sex repeated over and over again. Uh, there are also graphic descriptions of various sex acts in the song. But in case you aren't picking up on the theme, they continue to shout the word sex in the refrain. Like, do you get it? This song's about sex. You know, you know sex? Aren't you impressed? Aren't we edgy? Isn't this an edgy song, guys? Did you hear us? We said the word sex. What they lack in wit or subtlety, they'll make up for by beating you over the head with a sledgehammer until you've lost enough brain cells to actually enjoy a song like this. Maybe by the time your, your mental capacity matches that of like a dish rag or Joe Biden, you might find yourself tapping your foot and nodding along to the song. It is interesting, though, to consider that Janet Jackson was around the age Christina Aguilera is now when she performed at the Super Bowl in the early 2000s. And back then, it was a major scandal, a huge national story when an aging pop star showed her nipple for a few seconds. Now an aging pop star can gyrate across the stage in front of kids while screaming about sex and waving her dildo around, and it's barely noticed by anybody, apart from a few approving write-ups by the entertainment rags. Now that's understandable in a certain way. It's difficult to keep up with all of the shameless perversion and depravity, especially during Pride Month. After all, this happened just a day after Postmates, which is a food delivery service owned by Uber, ran an ad introducing their new, quote, bottom-friendly menu. Now, I can't even play most of this ad, and if I could play it, I still wouldn't play most of it. But here's just enough to uh, get the gist of it. And the main reason I want to play this for you is that if you haven't seen it and I describe it, you will think I'm making it up. But I am not. Watch. What are you eating this pride? Well, if you're a top, it seems like you can eat whatever you want. But if you're a bottom, you're expected to starve? Not this pride. Introducing the bottom-friendly menu from Postmates. We teamed up with Dr. Evan Goldstein from Bespoke Surgical to bring you a menu of bottom-friendly foods backed by science. Insoluble fiber won't help you feel cute, so avoid things like whole grains, wheat bran, cauliflower, potatoes, legumes. Hold up. Are you just fully diving into those beans? Like I said, subtle. Subtle as always. Um, Now, to be totally clear about what you just heard, this is a major food delivery service, which now has a section on its website for food items you should eat before engaging in sodomy. They have a sodomy section on their menu. Essentially, they imagined what it, would, what, it would, what it would have been like if Sodom and Gomorrah had DoorDash, and then they went and just made that dream a reality. Meanwhile, lost in the shuffle between the sodomy menu and Christina Aguilera in a dildo was the latest episode of RuPaul's Drag, Way, Drag Race, in which Nancy Pelosi wandered onto stage to deliver a canned stump speech about the wonders of drag. Because these days, politicians actually have canned stump speeches about the wonders of drag. Watch. Please give a warm drag race welcome to the Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi. Welcome back. My honor to be here to say to all of you how proud we all are of you. Thank you for the joy and beauty you bring to the world. Your freedom of expression of yourselves in drag is what America is all about. Hmm. Everybody on that stage, by the way, is completely wasted. 
including and especially Nancy Pelosi. Now, drag is what America is all about, says the Speaker of the House. The men who stormed the beaches of Normandy thought they were fighting for freedom, family, righteousness, truth. Turns out they were mostly fighting for drag. Many brave souls have died to protect the sacred right of men to cross-dress as characters from Nightmare Before Christmas because that's always the preferred drag aesthetic for some reason. So, so, uh, so what's going on here? What are we witnessing? I think there are two things that are related. One is that our culture has been coarsened to the point of non-existence. Now, cultures are supposed to be living, breathing, vibrant things. Cultures are rich with tradition and history. A culture preserves the heritage of your ancestors and leaves a legacy for future descendants. A culture is the summation of the art and history and traditions and accomplishments of a people. A people's culture is supposed to tell you what those people value, what they care about, who they are. That is not our culture because we don't have one. Ours is an anti-culture. Our culture is the absence of culture. Our culture is a giant black hole from which no light can escape. The left isn't concerned with building anything, making anything, preserving anything, creating anything. Instead, they destroy. That's all they do. Even the music doesn't exist for its own sake. Our pop stars, they don't make music. They make anti-music. The music is a testament to what it isn't. That's the only point of the music, is what it isn't. We have pop stars shouting the word sex while running around the stage with dildos, not because this is the kind of music they want to make, but because it's the opposite of the kind of music they don't want to make or anyone to make. Namely, beautiful and meaningful music. Music that points to truth, to the eternal, to the transcendent, as all art is supposed to do. Not anti-art, though. And this is the case with everything in our anti-culture. Everything is broken down and replaced with nothing. Words are emptied of meaning, but not infused with any new meaning. Everything is nothing, and nothing is meant to mean anything. The other point is that we're now witnessing the institutionalization of debauchery, institutionalized debauchery. When Uber is making ads promoting anal sex, and former Mickey Mouse Club pop stars are running around with dildos, and the Speaker of the House is appearing on stage with drag queens, it means that debauchery and perversion and depravity have been totally institutionalized. You cannot rebel against the system by acting like an insane, stupid, sex-crazed fiend because that is the system. That's what the system is all about. The bad news about this is that it means that our institutions are completely gone. We have lost them. They are just gone. But the good news is that the more that this stuff is promoted by high-ranking politicians and faceless corporations the less rebellious and interesting and unique it seems. That's why the perverts are growing increasingly desperate to shock and offend us. And the harder they try, the more difficult it is for them. All of their antics are bored and tired and cliched. Now, there may have been a time when drag queens represented a rebellion of sorts, but not anymore. Not when Nancy Pelosi is standing there with them. These days, if you want to rebel against the system, you have to do it by rejecting all of those things. The mo most rebellious thing you can do is lead a good, decent, normal life rooted in moral truth and sanity. That's the most rebellious thing. You want to be a rebel, that's what you do. 
That's the advantage we have now in the culture, I think. Anyone who wants to rebel against the system, anyone who wants to stick their middle finger up to the man or the them or however the man identifies these days, has to do it by rejecting the degeneracy and moral corruption that the system peddles. That, again, is the good news, that we are the counterculture now. We are the rebels. Now let's get to our five headlines. You know what I hate most of all in the entire world? It's, it's spending time at the auto parts store. You don't need to waste hours and cumulative years of your life at the auto parts store. Studies show that the average person will spend 17 years of their lives walking around auto parts store. That is a fact. And that's why you need rockauto.com instead. With the ever-increasing number of car makes and models, it is now impossible to stock all the parts you need in a traditional chain storefront. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questions about the specifications of your vehicle only to have the counterman order the parts on his computer anyway? You don't have to deal with that. Don't deal with that damn counterman. Just go to rockauto.com at home, in your pocket. Rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com and shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. Whether it's your classic or your daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. Cut the counterman out completely. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand specifications and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. So go to rockauto.com right now, see all the parts available for your car or truck, and remember, as always, to write Walsh in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that I sent you. All right. Um, last night was a lot of fun, by the way. We had our, I don't even know if I'm supposed to talk about this yet, but I am. We had our red carpet uh, premiere of Terror on the Prairie. I know I'm not supposed to say much about the film, Terror on the Prairie, but I, I think I can say that it's a, it was very good. I'll, I'll, say, I'll have more to say about it later um, after the premiere on Daily Wire tonight. But uh, it's, I have uh, high expectations when it comes to Westerns. I'm a bit of a Western s- snob. Um, I, I'm a harsh judge of Westerns, especially modern Westerns. And there are certain things they do in modern Westerns that uh, really annoy me. So I'm, I'm always looking for those. I'm very sensitive to them. And none of that was there. It's a very good movie. Um, my first time walking down any kind of red carpet. And uh, I will say that it's not my favorite environment in the world. And I'm not very good at it. But I, I, I think everyone knew ahead of time that I wouldn't be. You know, because you walk down and you go to each person that's like in the media, they have a question and then you're supposed to have a little pithy response and you have this little back and forth. It's like one little bit of small talk after another, which is not my forte. So I just walked down and I had one word. So Matt, what do you, what do you think about all this being on the red carpet? Uh, it's good. It's fine. Carpet's red. All right. Thanks for stopping by. And that's, that was the whole thing. And then we get to the end of the red carpet and um, they actually said to me, we get all the way to the end and there's this like you got to stop for pictures the whole way through. It's just a nightmare. Okay, I'll be, I'll be honest. Like that part of it is it's my it's my hell. My hell is is a red carpet for all eternity. And we get to the end of it, and um, there's this uh, moving camera, and they say that uh, is my, my wife was with me, and they said we, this is your glamour shot, and so we need you to do something big and creative for the glamour shot. And I looked at them, and I, this is the one time in my life I've been tempted to say. Do you know who I am? That was my one, my one time I wanted to pull that line out. You, this is, for me, you want me to do a, something big and creative for a glamour shot? Not going to happen. 
So I just stood there, stone-faced, and then, and then they did their glamour shot, and I walked away. But other than that, a lot more to say about the film when I'm allowed to say it. Uh, one other quick note also, not to have uh, too many things we're promoting all at once, but we got a lot, a lot going on here at The Daily Wire. And also today is the release of my book, What is a Woman?, now, you've seen the film, What is a Woman? Or if you haven't seen it, then go to whatisawoman.com and subscribe and watch it. Um, and the book is coming out today as well. You go to Amazon, and uh, definitely I would ask you to buy it on Amazon. There are other places you can buy it also, but I, I would prefer you buy it on Amazon so we can get it all the way to the top again. And we know how the Amazon employees are going to, we know how much they're going to love that. So why buy the book? Number one, it, it's, well, not number one, but it is, you will be trolling Amazon and Amazon employees, and you're going to make them cry. So I, that is a benefit. But the real number one reason by it is that um, in the book, I had the opportunity to kind of go into more detail about um, some of the things that we have to um, touch on only briefly in the movie, 90-minute film. So you only have, you know, there's only so much space to work with. And so the book covers a lot of the same basic story, but you're able to go into more detail what's going on behind the scenes, go into more detail about the stories of a lot of these people that we talked to in the film. And so definitely go to uh, Amazon and pick up that book. What is a woman? All right. We'll start here. Karen Jean Pear was on CNN, and uh, the media is finally asking this question. That's the cover is blown now, and everybody knows that Joe Biden's losing his mind. So Karen Jean Pear was asked on CNN whether Joe Biden has the mental cognizance required to run for president again. And here was her answer. Does the president have the stamina, physically and mentally, do you think, to continue on even after 2024? Don, you're asking me this question. Oh, my gosh. He's the president of the United States. You know, he I can't even keep up with it. We just got back from New Mexico. We just got back um, from California. Uh, That is uh, I, I, I that is not a question that we should be even asking. Just look at the work that he does and look what he's how he's delivering uh, for the American public. Look, that. What, that 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 article that we're talking about is hearsay. It's salacious. That's not what we care about. We care about how are we going to deliver for the American people. How are we going to make their lives better? That's what the president talks about. That is his focus, uh, and that's where we're going to continue uh, to to focus on. She is so bad at this. This is what you get. I'm not saying she's a, a diversity a diversity hire, but. Uh, she is a diversity hire, and this is what you get when you hire someone. I mean, it's, it's yeah, she's, uh, she, what is she? She's the first black female uh, bisexual press secretary. So she's got that going for her, but the other problem is that she can't, you know, um, speak. I mean, she can't really answer questions, and, and she, she somehow is unprepared and caught off guard by the questions that she should be the most prepared to answer. So when you're the press secretary for a president who is losing his mind in front of the world and everybody sees it and he can't string together one sentence, like cannot do it, can't do it. Um, when that happens, then you should be prepared to answer questions about that. Like you, you should have a, an answer ready. And her answer is, oh, she, he's the president. Well, we know he's the president. That's the problem. As if the very fact that he is the president means that he's prepared to be the president. Well, if he wasn't prepared to be the president, then how, do, how is he president? And the fact that he's president, again, is part of the point because not only does it allow all of us to see his cognitive decline and everybody can see. You're not fooling anybody. 
Everyone can see it. But not only that, but um, we, we are also aware that it, it, being president only makes the problem worse. So it's, the problem is, is exacerbated by the fact that like if, if you're losing your mind and you're, just, and you're retired and you're on a rocking chair on your front porch, then that's not a big problem for the country. But if you're in the Oval Office and you lose your mind, that is a big problem for the country. And also just the fact of having that office is going to make the mental problem worse. So it's a self-perpetuating issue. Because there's a lot of, uh, even with Joe Biden, going to bed at 6 p.m. every night and waking up at 9 or whatever he's doing, it's still, you know, you're not going to get all the rest you should be getting when you're, uh, when you're in this state. It's a high-pressure job. A lot's being asked of you. Even if you're not doing any of the things that are asked of you, still, you're being asked to do a lot of things. And, um, I mean, just look at, I, I made this point. Well, I've been making this point all along, as you know, as I've been as I've been hammering on this, uh, getting on my. This is my, one of my stump speeches about how we, you know, we should not be electing anybody over the age of seventy-five. There should be an age limit on it. That to me is incredibly obvious. But also, just look at every president in the modern era, ex- except for Donald Trump. He's the one exception. Every other one, they get out of office after eight years or even after their first four years in office, and they look like they've aged 20 years. Look at uh, you know Obama when he first entered office versus when he left. George Bush, same thing. It's only eight years. They look like they aged, you know, they come out looking like they're in their late 70s. That's how much the office ages you. So then you take that effect and you apply it to someone who's already 78 when he, when he enters office and was already senile. What happens then? Well, we're seeing it. Uh, More news from the White House. This is from the Daily Wire. It says, while the nation has been reeling from rising crime during the Biden administration, uh, defund the police advocates have been visiting the White House or meeting with White House aides, according to White House visitor logs. Some of the activists have included Rashad Robinson, the president of Color of Change, Carmen Rojas, the president and CEO of the Marguerite Casey Foundation, um, and then uh, the co-founder of something called Black Voters Matter and others as well someone with Al Sharpton's National Action Network. Rojas tweeted last year, so many people are twisting themselves into word pretzels. They say we need justice in one breath and not all police are bad and next. We must be unwavering in our commitment to freedom. The best way to realize it is to defund the police and support abolition, period. Um, so they, the White House and the Democrat Party, they have not completely you know, evicted the defund the police people. They have not exiled them out into the wilderness. As much as I suspect a lot of them would like to be able to do that, they can't. This is who you've made your bed with. You're not, they're, they're part of the club. The really important part, prominent part. And as we get into uh, 2022 and the midterms and everything, and we're already seeing this, but, but you know, this is, uh, obviously the economy is a, big, is a big issue that Republicans should be hammering the Democrats with, and they are. But I think even more than that, crime and gender insanity. I'd put those two things right at the top. And that puts the Democrats in the most indefensible situation. And these are also the things that people live with every day and are worried about. And you look to the Democrats and they either have no answers or they are, in fact, they are intentionally making these problems worse. 
So people live, especially if you live in cities, you live with the crime problem every day. It's the kind of thing you worry about. When if you have a family, if your kids are out, you know, if you have a wife, your wife's got, you worry about them falling victim to this. Just like as much as Democrats pretend not to realize this, um, with the gender insanity, this is something every parent now worries about. I mean, every parent I've talked to, especially over the last couple of weeks, I've talked to many, many parents, got emails and everything. They're terrified of this, of their kids falling victim to the gender insanity. So these two issues, um, Democrats, they have no response. To call them vulnerable would be a massive understatement. This also from the Daily Wire says, Amber Heard took a shot at social media users and a jury that largely sided with her ex-husband, Johnny Depp, during the actress's first interview since a verdict was rendered in the couple's highly publicized defamation case. Um, The jury, of course, found that Heard defamed Depp in an op-ed about domestic violence, awarding him a total of $15 million in monetary Damages, though, was dropped to a total of $10 million due to Virginia law. And so this is her first, talking to today's show, her first interview. And uh, is she contrite? Is she asking for forgiveness? Is she taking any accountability? Is she sharing any of the blame whatsoever? Uh, of, of course not. Let's listen. Even somebody who is sure I'm deserving of all this hate and vitriol, even if you think that I'm lying, you still couldn't look me in the eye and tell me that you think on social media there's been a fair representation. You cannot tell me that you think that this has been fair. Um, I mean, we can tell you that. And that is what we're telling you, Amber, I'm afraid to say. That's exactly what we can say. And I think that this, one of the things that's interesting here, especially with Amber Heard's reaction, who she's just, she just lost. I'm not even sure how this works legally. That you lose on a defamation case, but you're doubling down and still repeating the same claims you just got sued over and you lost that case. So can you get sued again for it? I don't know. <clears throat> but um, uh, to watch her reaction, she's just stunned. She like didn't think this was possible, that she would actually lose. And that's why she told these brazen lies in the first place. Knowing that she was telling the lies about someone who had the financial ability to hold her accountable. And most people don't. That's why people get defamed all the time in this country, especially by the media. The media loves defaming people. And most people just don't have the uh, financial capacity, don't have the resources to do anything about it because it's very, very expensive. And it's a risky proposition also to try to sue someone for defamation because it's very hard to, to win. You open yourself up to, you know, countersuits and everything else. So she knew that she was doing this to someone who had the ability and had the resources to take her to court. She did it anyway, brazenly, and now she's shocked and stunned. And I think really shocked and stunned, not just pretending. Because this is she's lived this life of privilege, and we're starting to see someone who's lived a life of privilege in this, in this bubble. Um, and for the first time, the privilege didn't, she tried to cash her privilege card in and it didn't, it didn't, it, it didn't work. Tried to cash her privilege check and it bounced for the first time in her life. And she doesn't know what to do about it. And what's the privilege that she had? I think we should be clear about this. Is it uh, white privilege? Well, it's got nothing to do with, with her race, really. This is a dispute between two white people anyway, so it's not white privilege. Part of it is money, you know, okay? So she's a Hollywood actress. She's got a lot of money. There's, there is real privilege that comes with that. 
But also she has attractive female privilege, which of all the different kinds of privileges in the modern Western world or anywhere in the world, that is probably number one. That is the number one form of privilege. If you're female and physically attractive, you have advantages that nobody else will ever have. I mean, you have a path laid out in your life that is automatically going to be so much easier than almost anybody else, just, just by, by virtue of that. Um, and then you take attractive female and you have money. I mean, this is, the, this is the most comfortable and luxurious type of life on offer. Like this is the, on the menu of options for, for human existence. That's, that's number one in terms of comfort, luxury, living a pain-free life. And so she's simply just never been held accountable. Nobody's ever called her on anything. This is their first time, and she doesn't know how to handle it. And that is uh, very fun to watch. All right, moving to NBC News articles. As Washington commanders, otherwise known as the Redskins, head coach Ron Rivera on Friday, fined his defensive coordinator, Jack Del Rio, $100,000 for calling the January 6th attack in the U.S. Capitol a dust-up and referring to the racial justice protests of 2020 as a summer of riots, which, of course, is exactly what it was and we all saw. In a statement attributed to Rivera and posted on the, on the commander's Twitter page, the NFL head coach said he was disappointed in Del Rio's comments and said they hurt the community. Um, the statement said, as we saw last night in the hearings, what happened on the, the Capitol, to the Capitol on January 6, 2021 was an act of domestic terrorism. A group of citizens attempted to overturn the results of a free and fair election, blah, blah, blah. Uh, coach Del Rio did apologize for his comments on Wednesday, and he understands the distinction between the events of that dark day and peaceful protests, which are the hallmark of our democracy. Because the BLM riots were peaceful protests, of course. Um, But they're going to fine him $100,000 just for exercising his free speech. So we talked about how you have privilege in America. Well, this is someone who doesn't have, even though he's an NFL coach, gets paid a lot of money. uh, He's a man, and most importantly, he's, uh, I guess, a conservative or conservative adjacent. In fact, that doesn't even matter. He, he said something that liberals disagree with, and so there's no privilege there. And so he's fined $100,000 just for expressing his opinion. Um, an opinion which, by the way, is not really even an opinion. It's just a statement of fact, especially when it comes to the BLM riots. They were riots. They were, by every measure, far worse than what happened at the Capitol. That's a fact. But fact or opinion, or both, It's also, this is a point of view shared by the vast majority of the NFL audience. I guarantee you, if you polled the NFL audience, the people who actually sit down and watch football games every Sunday, you were to poll them about the BLM riots and ask them, were were those uh, just peaceful protests or were they horrible riots and that were allowed to go on for months on end and that, you know, were you outraged by that? If if you're given those two options, I, I guarantee vast majority of the actual NFL audience will choose the latter option for that. But he's fined $100,000 for it. and uh, But apology, fined $100,000, still not enough, um, especially to the um, woke mob over on ESPN. Here's Stephen A. Smith and Ryan Clark talking about the, uh, you know, uh, giving their reflections on, on all of this. Let's listen. He's white. He's not black. And there's an awful lot of white people that cannot in any way identify with the plight that African-Americans feel 
physically, emotionally, spiritually, subliminally. The list goes on and on and on. When are we going to stop expecting them to do that? We have to get to a point where we look at a Jack Del Rio and what he said and actually be gratified that there was somebody that was willing hmm. to be open about their ignorance. Guess why? Jack Del Rio shouldn't be uh, uh, vilified. He shouldn't be somebody that's excoriated and nobody wants to talk to him again. You know what black people should be willing to do? They should be able to willing to walk right up to Jack Del Rio. Hey, how you doing? Let's have a conversation about what you said. Let me use this as an opportunity to educate you. Because if we're ever going to have any hope towards making this world a better place, Making somebody cower and hide and, and muzzle themselves and never feeling free to speak up only disguises what they're feeling, which harbors and harnesses their ignorance. Therefore, they walk around feeling ignorant, being oblivious to the kind of things that plague them and us and our society. And none of us get any better. But when he was willing to be open, I okay. found nothing Shut offensive. Up, to turn this off, please. I can't listen to this guy. These people are so stupid. Sports comedy, not all of them. I mean, well, it seems like all of them, but not, no, not all of them. On ESPN, like the vast majority, very, very stupid. And Stephen A. Smith, I, it, my theory with Stephen A. Smith is that um, his teleprompter is just a thesaurus and they're cycling through random words and he's just pulling words at random uh, that, that sound like they're big words and make sense. And that's how he ends up saying, well, they can't relate to the... The plight of African-Americans subliminally. What? What What are you talking about? The subliminal plight of African-Americans? And when, they, when they're unable to speak, it, it harnesses and harvests their ignorance. What are you saying? I mean, those are words, but they don't make sense when you put them together. You understand? Like, you need, you need to have words, and you have to have, like, other words in between those words that make it all work together. You can't just throw words out. Um, but he says, Stephen A. Smith says that uh, uh, Jack Del Rio can't, can't relate, can't relate to the plight, the subliminal plight, whatever that is, of African-Americans. Uh, Stephen A. Smith, by the way, his salary is $8 million a year. Um, so this is a guy on TV every day. He makes a living just shouting into a camera, which nothing against that, obviously. But, and he gets paid $8 million a year to do it. And uh, he's accusing other people of being out of touch, of not being able to. What's, what's your plight, Stephen A. Smith? How difficult is your life? Really, when you, when you go out in public, you're, you're, you're afraid that you're going to be persecuted by the police. Really, are you? See, I don't, I don't, I don't quite buy that. And they, again, this is, what, this is what the commentators in ESPN are doing. It's people on the left are doing. They are saying that if you criticize riots that caused $2 billion in damages and, you know, uh, dozens of people injured and killed. Uh, Riots from which many communities still have not recovered. Okay. Small business owners having their businesses burned to the ground. Um, People who work at, you know, just a CVS, a gas station, Whatever, are, are, are forced to deal with this. They, they lose their jobs or they've got mobs coming in stealing. Um, you know, there's kids in, in uh, at, at, at children's hospitals, cancer patients who are upstairs in, in fear 
trembling in fear as the mob and the riots are, you know, people are down in the streets just outside the building. So if you look at all that and you say, I'm opposed to that, I think that's bad, then that then you are anti-black. You are an anti-black racist. So what exactly are you trying to say? That to oppose violent riots is anti-black? What are, what are you... I mean, this is way beyond bigotry of low expectations. There's just no expectations here at all. So that, once again, to me, seems like the actual racist, degrading uh, viewpoint here. All right, I want to call your attention. It's important that I, that I uh, call your attention to this if you haven't seen it. There's a viral Twitter thread um, by a user who goes by Tulip R um, on, on Twitter. This is, according to his bio, a detransitioned adult male. And as we're talking about everything with uh, my film and with the, also the, the, now the book um, and all these issues, we know about the interview with Scott Nugent that people found to be you know, the, probably the most powerful part of the film. I also found it to be the most powerful part of the film. Um, there are lots of stories like Scott Nugent's. And I think also the so-called gender affirmation surgery, which used to be called, which is a euphemism, used to be sex change. And even that was a euphemism, right? This is just mutilation and butchery. I think still a lot of people don't, don't realize what goes into it. So I want to read some of this thread to you, and it gets pretty graphic. But uh, it's important for us to understand this is what, this is what quote-unquote doctors are doing. This is what's happening to kids and adults. So he says, I want to tell everyone what they took from us, what irreversible really means, and what that reality looks like for us. No one told me any of what I'm going to tell you now. He says, I have no sensation in my crotch region at all. You could stab me with a knife and I wouldn't know. The entire area is numb, like it's shell-shocked and unable to comprehend what happened even four years on. Some of these tweets have been removed, by the way, and Twitter has not given any explanation for that. So this is a long thread. A lot of it is still there, but Twitter has gone in and removed certain parts of this story. I'm not sure which, which parts have now been removed. Um, he continues, no one told me that the base area of your penis is left. It can't be removed, meaning you're left with a literal stump inside that twitches. When you take testosterone and your libido returns, you wake up with morning wood without the tree. I wish this was a joke. And that's something that will never come back. And one reason why I got surgery. Uh, my sex drive died about six months on HRT, and at that time I was glad to be rid of it. But now, 10 years later, I'm realizing what I'm missing out on and what I won't get back. Because even if I had a sex drive, my neo-vagina is so narrow and small, I wouldn't even be able to have sex if I wanted to. And when I do use a small dilator, I have random pockets of sensation that only seem to pick up pain rather than pleasure. Uh, any pleasure I do, I do get comes from the prostate that was moved forward and wrapped in glands from the penis, meaning anal sex isn't possible and can risk further damage. Uh, and then this goes on, I, you know, this, this goes on for a while, talking about the, um, the actual day-to-day reality that people are living through after this has been done to them. He says a little bit later on, then there's the act of going to the toilet. It takes me about 10 minutes to empty my bladder. It's extremely slow, painful, and because it dribbles, no matter how much I relax, It will then just go all over that entire area, leaving me soaked. So after cleaning myself up, I'll find moments later that my underwear is wet, no matter how much I wiped. It slowly drips out for the best part of an hour. I never knew at 35 I ran the risk of of smelling like piss everywhere I went. Um, 
And then the, the story goes on, and it's it's you could go and read. It, the, you, you don't want to read stories like this because it's so horrifying. But again, this is what's actually this is what doctors are doing, and this is what they are selling to kids, and condemning people to a life of this. Okay, this medical experimentation, treating people like lab rats, just kind of that's what they're doing. Just experimenting. Okay, let's uh, let's take this body part off. Let's move this stuff around here, and then this, and all in in pursuit of something that is impossible. Okay, I mean you you might as well you the doctors might as well take somebody's arms off and replace them with wings, and tell them that now they can fly. Now, not only worse, not only can they fly, but now you're a bird because we took your arms off and put wings on. No, you'll, you'll never be a bird. You cover yourself in feathers, put wings on. You're never going to be a bird. You're still a human. Now you're just deformed. And it's the same thing here. You're a man. You will never, ever, ever be a woman. It will never happen. It cannot happen. You don't have the parts. You, ha- you have a penis, not a vagina. You will never have a vagina. You will never have one. What they can do is cut a hole in you around the crotch area and they can call it a vagina, but it's not. And it turns out that when they do that, there are all kinds of lifelong, horrifying, uh, you can't even call them complications because their complication sounds like it wasn't intended or there's, a, you know, no, this is not a complication. It's just lifelong consequences that you're going to live with forever. This kind of walking nightmare. And there's so many stories like this of, de- of uh, people who detransitioned. So that brings me to, a, to a, a point that I've made and I think is really important. That it is beyond uh, infuriating to think that we do this to kids, right? And, and, and anyone who says that it should be okay to do anything like this to a child is just a monster. Anyone who would do anything like this to a child or who thinks that we should do anything like this to a, to a child, if you support this, then I, there are two options. Either you are completely insane or one of the dumbest people to ever walk the earth or you are an absolute moral monster, right? One of those two. And that's for kids. So any, any sane, reasonable person, we can all agree on that. But it's also horrifying and wrong when they do it to adults. It should not be legal to do this to anyone. I don't care if they're an adult or not. This person underwent this procedure in their, it sounds like, as an adult, um, for uh, 20s or 30s. But does that make it okay? Does that mean that, that uh, they were in the right frame of mind? Could they really consent to this? Like the fact that they're magically, so they're over the age of uh, 18, and so then there are no other concerns at all? Like it's not possible that there could be other mental problems going on, but which means that they, they still can't really consent to something like this? The fact that if you want this done to you, that is proof already that you're not in the mental state required to consent to have this done to you. That is proof in and of itself that you have deep, deep mental problems that need to be treated. It should not be legal to do this to anyone. And every time I bring that point up, I'm, uh, even some conservatives will say, uh, well, so what, you, you, you're, te- you're saying, I mean, they're consenting adults. So shouldn't an adult be able to consent? 
Shouldn't people be able to do what they want with their own bodies? We're not talking about what adults do to their own bodies. We're talking about what doctors with medical licenses are doing to people's bodies. And no, I don't think that doctors should be able to just do anything to a person's body as long as that person is an adult and said they want it done. Does anyone think that? Is that really what anyone thinks? A doctor should be able to do anything at all to a person's body as long as that person's an adult and they say, please do it to me. It should not be legal to do this to anybody. Okay, this is the, the, the way that this affects kids is a big part of the story. It's not the whole story. Just the whole under, this is one of the things we try to do in the film. We're going after the underlying premise here. It is all built on a lie. And if you're lying to a kid and saying, we can chop up your body and turn you into a different sex, that's horrible. If you're lying to an adult and telling them that, it's also horrible. I think we need to be very clear about that. Let's get to the comment section. Do you know their name? They're the sweet baby gang. Uh, let's see. Krutz says, the family looks perfectly happy. Now we're talking about the family of the quote-unquote trans, quote-unquote trans kid who quote-unquote transitioned at the age of five. Krutz says, the family looks perfectly happy. Funny to see Matt spurge out at the sight of a successful transition that doesn't fit his narrative. Oh, right. Yeah. Um, they're, they're, they, they look, well, they're smiling on camera, so that means everything's fine. Is that what you think? What? They smile on camera. They must be perfectly happy. I mean, it's, just, it's not like there's a, it's, it's not like there's a, this is a known thing on social media where people can present themselves as happy and they're living a wonderful life, and then you get under the surface, and it turns out that's not the case. No, you're right. You're right, uh, Krutz. That anyone who smiles on camera is happy. And, and certainly any child who says, that sits with their parents and says, I'm happy, is happy. So you know what? If, if, uh, if there's reports, credible reports of, uh, of child abuse going on in, inside a home, <clears throat> if, the, if the child comes out to CPS and stands with the parents and says, oh, I'm happy, everything's fine here, and smiles, then right, the, the CPS should just turn around. Well, he said he's happy, so he wouldn't lie. Is that what you think? You freaking moron. You, you actually think, so a toddler can transition their gender. That's, that's, your, that's your view. Successful transition of a toddler. You maniac. So this is a good example here of, uh, like I said, either you are one of the dumbest people to ever live on earth, or you're an absolute monster. I'll let you, and you can decide that for yourself. Friendly River Media says, the Fox segment is seriously like a parody based on the things Matt exposed in What is a Woman. I'm glad people are calling it out. Lots of people are calling it out, but I think even more need to, uh, because Fox still has not, they've just tried to move on from this. There's not any apology, or, or even a justification. Like, how about, how about, let's start with, explain to us, Fox, why you felt the need to air this segment. And to air it, worst of all, during the news portion of your programming, what's supposed to be a news uh, broadcast, and you air it not even acknowledging. So you're talking about, quote, trans kids. You don't even acknowledge that there is any opposing view here. Like pretending that the criticisms, that, that it's just it's just self-evident that we should transition five-year-olds. That's what they did on Fox. Um, 
Let's see, I lost my place here. Evan says, Matt, my one minor criticism of what is a woman is that you didn't have time to cover these neurotic parents who need a trans kid because it's all about them. Mommy Munchausen, as you say here, this story is why I think it's so important. Uh, we tried. Uh, we, we, tried to, we tried to get some parents in the, uh, in the Munchausen community with the, with the very young trans kids. We tried to get some of them to talk to us, and none of them would. Um, because it turns out that uh, they don't want to put themselves in a position of having to actually explain any of this. They'll do the puff pieces. Okay, so if you show up and you're just going to do a puff piece and tell them how brave and wonderful they are, they're more than happy for that. And they'll bring their kid out. They'll parade their kid around on camera. But if they think there's any, if they get a whiff of a hint that you might ask a real question, then they don't want to go anywhere near it. Because these parents, they know what they're doing. But we did try. Not for lack of trying. Morgan says, Matt, it's not just that we're not allowed guns in Canada for self-defense. We cannot have anything. It is illegal for uh, a woman to carry pepper spray in her purse for self-defense. You can't even buy it here. That I did not realize. And it just leads me back to the same question of uh, why why live in Canada at this point? I understand if you're born there and it's where you're born. But uh, what, what... like, what's the good part? That's what I'd like to know. Actually, from, from actual Canadians, maybe in the comments. But I, I can think of a million reasons not to live in Canada. What's the, what's the plus side? And how does it outweigh the negative at this point? Dusty says, why is he saying no other network would ever air something like this? There have been plenty of trans documentaries over the years. What they're saying is typical and what you would come to expect from a trans news piece has he never heard of Jazz Jennings or seen the 60-minute specials from back in like the early 2000s? LOL. Um, obviously, we see promotion of trans kids all over the media. My point is that there were elements of this piece that arguably would be too far at this point for CNN or MSNBC specifically. And I think the one that comes to mind is the claim that a child chose her gender before she could speak. So this is an outright, out in the open promotion of gender transitioning babies. And yeah, I do think that the, I mean, it's, it's somewhat splitting hairs, right? Because if, if, you, if this would not be on CNN at this point, it will be in the future. Um, and they get pretty close to it anyway. But uh, yeah, that is my, my point is just to emphasize how radical that is. This is not Fox, like, dipping their toe in the water here. Okay, they're going, they're jumping right into the deep end with with transgender babies. That's what Fox is doing. And one reason why, again, we need to hold them accountable for that. Well, my new book, as uh, mentioned, What is a Woman, is available now. The What is a Woman film was a huge success. And if you like the film, then you've got to read the book. The book dives even deeper into the interviews and topics featured in the film. So be sure to pick up your copy of my brand new book, What is a Woman, today on Amazon or wherever you buy books. But again, Amazon is where I'd prefer just because it's a lot funnier there. Tonight also is the premiere of our summer blockbuster, Terror on the Prairie. Two days after Disney tried to cancel, Gina Carano, Daily Wire swooped in and uh, said that uh, we're going to pick her up and she's going to star in a film. And tonight is the premiere of her brand new film with the Daily Wire, Terror on the Prairie. Terror on the Prairie is a gritty Western and Gina's personal redemption story shines through in her leading role. It's a great film too, I can tell you. She doesn't pull any punches as a frontier woman fighting for survival in the brutal American West. Plus it's produced by our friend Dallas Sonier who uh, brought you Bone Tomahawk with Kurt Russell. So you know you know what you're getting into, and it's just, it really delivers, I can tell you. So go to dailywire.com slash Gina 
And tune in tonight at 8.30 p.m. Eastern for the pre-show, 9 p.m. Eastern for the world premiere of the film, and stick around for a Q&A following the film. Head to dailywire.com slash Gina right now. Now let's get to our daily cancellation. Our daily cancellation begins with one of our favorite characters in this segment, Lizzo. Except that for once, the story has almost nothing to do with Lizzo being naked and overweight. As we know, she's built a career around exploring the intersection of fatness and nakedness, but uh, that is not the point today. Rather, Lizzo has attracted controversy because of some of the lyrics in her new hit single, Girls, spelled G-R-R-R-L-S. As we know, Lizzo almost certainly cannot define the word girl, though perhaps she can define the word girl. I don't know. But this is not the word that has caused severe offense, consternation, emotional trauma, and even, we must assume, physical injury to some of, uh, of Lizzo's fans. That word, well, I'm not going to tell you what that word is, partly because it's so deeply problematic and shocking that I dare not speak it out loud, and also because I thought it would be a fun game to play a a one-minute clip of the song for you, and I want you to guess which lyric was so offensive that Lizzo had to issue a public apology and re-release the song with this word changed. So, listen closely. Hold my bag, hold my bag. Do you see this? I'm a spaz. I'm about to knock somebody out. Yo, with my best friend. She the only one I know to talk me off the deep end. Cause that's my girl, we codependent. If she with it, then I'm with it. Yeah, we tussle, mind your business. So, 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 That's my girl, we CEOs and dancing like a CEO. We about to throw them bows. Let's fuck it up. Where my girls, where my girls Lizzo, uh, once again, proving herself to be the greatest poet of our time or any time. Shakespeare may have written a clever line or two, but he never would have thought to write something like, yeah, we tussle, mind your business, zoo, 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 Sulu. That's my girl, we CEOs, and dancing like a CEO. Only Lizzo could come up with something so profound and moving. If Shakespeare had written that, they would have uh, you know, assumed he was having a, sh- a stroke or something. But we're dancing around the point here. Indeed, I dare say, we are, we are even dancing like CEOs around the point. The question we still must answer is which word, out of all of the words you just heard, though maybe a bit too generous to call all of those words, which was considered objectionable enough to necessitate changing the song? She says the word bitch multiple times. She uses the word ho multiple times. She drops F-bombs. She uses the term boozy ratchet, whatever the hell that means. The whole thing is about her engaging in acts of violence. The song is one big threat to jump some unspecified person and commit felony assault or worse. And it's a potentially dangerous message too because it might inspire other out-of-shape women to pick random fights with strangers thinking that they can knock somebody out when they've never thrown a punch in their lives and probably will just break their wrists if they tried. So is that the problematic message? Or how about the part where Lizzo says that she's going to cut a man's penis off so that he can never have sex again. That's pretty disrespectful. Is that the offensive part? The entire song from beginning to end is vulgar, stupid, and violent. She could scrap the whole thing and replace all the lyrics 
with the sounds of feral cats fighting inside a dumpster, and it would be a vast improvement over what you just heard. So what is the specific line that caused the problem? Well, it turns out that the only offensive word in that song was the word spaz. Now, if you recall at the very beginning, she sings, hold my bag, hold my bag. Do you see this? I'm a spaz. Again, pure poetry. But that's the problem right there. I'm a spaz. Quite literally, the least offensive word in the entire song. One of the only lyrics that, that we don't have to bleep on this show is the word that people are offended by, of course. As Entertainment Weekly reports, the term spaz is now, as of about 12 seconds ago, uh, considered an ableist slur. In fact, in their report, Entertainment Weekly censors the word, much like they would if it was the N-word or the F-word. Bitch is still written out in the, in the article. But spaz, or the S-word as it will now be known, is censored. Many of Lizzo's fans took her to task for ableism in her song, which promotes felony violence and forced castration. But the real problem is the ableism. One of the fans leading the charge was Hannah uh, Divini, a disability advocate with pronouns in her bio. And she tweeted a couple of days ago. She said, hey, Lizzo, my disability, cerebral palsy, is literally classified as spastic diplegia, where spasticity, spasticity refers to unending painful tightness in my legs. Your new song makes me pretty angry and sad. Spaz doesn't mean freaked out or crazy. It's an ableist slur. It's 2022. Do better. Yes, it's 2022. You should know better than to use harmless slang while threatening to cut a man's penis off and beat strangers senseless for no reason. Please stick to communicating your violent fantasies with vulgarities and profanity. Just please just stick with that. Hannah is a woman of principle, and that's what she demands. And she got her way pretty quickly. Yesterday, Lizzo reissued the song with the S-word replaced, and she made a public apology. She posted a Twitter quote, It's been brought to my attention that there's a harmful word in my new song, Girls. Let me make one thing clear. I never want to promote derogatory language. As a fat black woman in America, I've had many hurtful words used against me, so I overstand the power words can have. Wait, I overstand. I overstand the power words can have, whether intentionally or in my case, unintentionally. I'm proud to say that there's a new version of girls with a lyric changed. This is the result of me listening and taking action. As an influential artist, I'm dedicated to being part of the change I have been wanting and waiting to see in the world. Only Lizzo could manage to call herself influential, say that she's proud of herself, and brag about her wisdom and insight, all in the context of an apology. Truly, the woman has turned virtue signaling into an art form. She hasn't quite figured out how to make her music into an art form, but she's basically the Beethoven of virtue signaling. At any rate, yes, uh, be the change you want to see in the world. And Lizzo apparently wants a world that is confused, overly sensitive, and has its priorities exactly backwards and upside down. And there's no doubt that she's certainly helping in her own small way to create precisely that kind of world. Actually, I need to correct myself. Because I think we make a mistake when we say that this sort of thing is an example of people being sensitive. Okay, And I, and I say that all the time, but it's not exactly true. Because traditionally, a sensitive person is somebody who is empathetic, kind, um, deeply aware of other people's feelings and needs. They're affected by and will respond to social cues, facial expressions, and so on. A sensitive person is caring and compassionate. It's good to be sensitive in that way. 
And I say that as someone who is pretty far to the other end of the spectrum, for better or worse. But I'm married to that sort of sensitive person, and I can say for sure that the world would be a better place if there were many more people like her in the world, like my wife. That's why if if this was simply a case of people being sensitive about the song, they might listen to it and object to the whole thing, observing that it's vulgar and obscene and contributes to the coarsening of our culture. That would be a sensitive and certainly not at all unreasonable or baseless reaction to the song and to almost everything else pop culture produces. But that's not what's happening here. The people who who we often call sensitive are not sensitive at all. Far from sensitive, they're numb and dumb. They're more like robots filtering everything through their leftist programming and deciding based on those algorithms to pretend to be offended by all of the wrong things. This is how we end up in a culture overrun by a bunch of inverted prudes, Puritans who have been turned inside out and flipped upside down. They have an endless appetite for debauchery, vulgarity, stupidity, obscenity. But they recoil in horror and start firing off angry letters because of some random, totally benign word or phrase that happens to step on the intersectional tripwire and set off the PC alarms. They celebrate Christina Aguilera dancing around in front of children with a strap-on dildo. But if she had her hair braided, like in a, uh, you know, in a, a, a dreadlocks or something, then they would demand a public apology for cultural appropriation and hairstyle colonialism. This is the kind of sensitivity we're talking about. And it's not sensitivity at all, but insanity. I think that's what we should really be saying. And that is why, not just Lizzo, but everybody involved in this story is today canceled. And you're all a bunch of spazzes too, might I add. That'll do it for us today. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. Godspeed. Well, if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review. Also, tell your friends to subscribe as well. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, we're there. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, Michael Knowles Show, The Andrew Clavin Show. Thanks for listening. The Matt Wall Show is produced by Sean Hampton, executive producer Jeremy Boring. Our supervising producer is Mathis Glover, production manager Pavel Vodowski. Our associate producer is McKenna Waters. The show is edited by Robbie Dantzler. Our audio is mixed by Mike Cormina. And hair and makeup is done by Cherokee Hart. The Matt Wall Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2022. Today on the Ben Shapiro Show, the stock market officially hits bear market territory as the Fed desperately seeks to tamp down inflation. The January 6th committee keeps rehashing the stuff we already knew. And Pride Month continues with perverse displays in front of small children. That's today on the Ben Shapiro Show. Give it a listen. Listen. 